0: Good morning. One of my favorite things to do when I was a kid, when I got home from school, was to go on and turn on the Game Show Network. Loved to go watch those 70s and 80s game shows uh, from $100,000 Pyramid. Loved press my luck when they were, wham wham, 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 stop! Like, that was, I liked hitting stuff, I guess. So, that was a good one. Um, the Match Game was one of my favorites. But there was also a segment of shows that was all about finding love. You had um, the newlywed game, which was those that have already found love and see how well they connect. You had the love connection. Those really paved the way in many ways for modern day reality TV. Dating back all the way to the real world on MTV, but modern day with uh, The Bachelor and Bachelorette, I mean they have like cult followings about who's going to be the next one and who are they going to pick. Every week people following it. You have shows on Netflix and all the different ones like Love is Blind. Just uh, further perpetuating this uh, theme that we're all working towards finding the one. You see it in media. You see it in Disney. That everything's about while you're single, it's to help you find the person who you'll spend the rest of your life with. Finding the one. And we even have this in our church culture. You... Uh, meet somebody for the first time either at the gathering or you're starting to engage somebody in your missional community that's single What's your first response? Okay, who else do I know that's single that I can hook them up with right? There's a little bit of this match making Thought like oh, they're single. We need to find them It's important for us that we find them somebody to marry and we subtly have this view that to be single is to be less than it's to, it's a second class citizen and once you're married then you've made it whether it's made it to being happy and fulfilled or whether there's if you're single then you're just weird or something's wrong with you and we just need to find the right person for you this is all the more true in a church like ours where we have of uh lots and lots of young families. We just updated our elder prayer list roster um and the we're at 45% children. I mean, that's a whole lot of young families in our midst. And so for somebody who is single to come in and be part of that, it's it could feel like not and it's not spoken, but there could be a sense to which, oh, I don't belong here because I'm I don't, I'm not one of, I don't have, I'm not married. And so to be married is to be better than. But what if that's upside down? What if, as we look into the scriptures, we have our picture of being married is better than is actually not true. As we look at the life of Jesus, as we look at the life of Paul, and we see what he, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, we're going to see that being single, or singleness, or celibacy, I'll use those terms interchangeably, singleness is a good, godly calling that we need to encourage, celebrate, and welcome. If we think that being married is being fulfilled, then unfortunately, Jesus does not live up to that standard. Jesus himself, the most perfect human who to ever live, was single. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I wish that all people were as I am. That term, as I am, is speaking to his state of singleness. Now whether he's a widower, whether his wife left him, he was at one time married, we don't know. But what he's saying is, I wish that all people were. But not wish like I'm commanding it, but wish isn't there's something good about it. But each has his own gift from God. One person has this gift and one another has that. So we need to have this picture of singleness that we find in Scripture. It's ultimately found in the person of Jesus, the most per- perfect person to ever live, was single. Paul, the apostle who had an amazing work by of God done through him, encourages this, this church that you know singleness is good. Now let me back up for a second. In 1 Corinthians 7 we've been talking about how we are embodied souls that we uh, um, the physical nature of humanity is important and should not be overlooked in our discipleship Built on top of that the idea of marriage and the picture of marriage being one man and one woman one man and one woman um, as a picture of Jesus in the church that's a, a good godly thing and how sex is designed to be, in that environment. And in the midst of that chapter, Paul addresses singleness. Now, there's something going on in Corinth that's important. verse 26, it says that he's doing this um, in light of the present, because of the present distress, I think it is good for a man to remain as he is. So there's something happening in Corinth that he's guiding them to. It's important to recognize that chapter 7 This is one of the more gentle chapters of Paul. He's not commanding things. As a spiritual father, he's giving them guidance in light of the present distress. And yet, there are universal aspects that we can learn from this chapter that are not bound to whatever distress they were experiencing in Corinth. And some of those are found in verses 32 through 35. So let me read this in this CSB. I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord so that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is proper so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. Paul in his apostolic guidance, has a personal preference towards singleness. He recognizes that there is a freedom that comes, a lack of distraction that can come from being single. Now, those of us who are married, we know that there's some truth to this. Now, notice he's not putting a restraint on them. He's not commanding people to either be single or be married. He's giving them a freedom to choose and to be led by the Spirit in that way. But he has a preference. He thinks it's good for singleness. He recognizes the freedom that it gives him to be able to follow the Lord wherever. I mean, think of Paul's life. He was able to go to this city and that city, plant this church, evangelize this group of people, equip them in and, and this church, uh, commend leaders. He had a specific call on his life and because he didn't have a family it gave him the freedom to be able to do that. It's one of the gifts of singleness that there isn't something that's holding you back in your decision making. As a married man, I have to think about what pleases my wife, what's good for my family, how is this going to affect my children? For those that are called to singleness, they don't have to run through that. Now, What I don't want is um, marriage to become second class citizens and singleness to become first class. What we need is we need to have an environment and a church that we say, where is it the Lord has called you? How can we together be the family that encourages and celebrates that um, calling? So the calling of singleness, whether it's for a short period of time that you don't have a spouse yet, or it's for a lifetime that there's a sense to which the Lord is asking me to not be married. That both of those are good godly opportunities for us. Now, as we talk about singleness, there's usually two what I'll call whatabouts that I want to address. The first one is in light of what we talked about last week: what about sex? Now, we are embodied souls. We are created as sexual beings. We have desires that are good, godly desires. As we talked about last week, sex, the point of it is to build intimacy, oneness with somebody else. So, for those that are, the what about is, well, how are they going to experience that? The What I would say to that is, Jesus had a great level of intimacy with his disciples and with the Father. So to have intimate relationships does not require sexual intercourse. It's not an automatic. We are able to do that. We, humanity is able to experience that. There are other avenues to have those types of deep, bonded relationships. But also, we live in a culture that tells us that to be human requires sex. That if, um, if anything limits that from you, if whether that's in a marriage relationship, whether that's not, um, not allowing your craving, or even if it's your desire for whatever, whoever, you want, that anything, our culture tells us to limit that desire is to limit our humanity. And what I want to say is that's not true. Scripturally, we can see in the life of Jesus, and the life of Paul, we can see that you can have a full, flourishing human life without sex, whether that's because you don't have a desire. Or it's because you're choosing because of the call of God on your life to not have so that you can have intimacy in other ways. And I'm not saying physical. I'm saying at a heart level bond with the Father and with others. So sex is not required to be fully human. You can have deep, bonded, intimate relationships without it. So that's what about sex. The other, uh, and also I'm going to touch on this. We've also seen where uh, celibacy is forced upon people and how if they're not called to it, they utilize their sexual desires in perverse ways. You think of the Catholic Church and its scandal of the last 25 years, forcing people that are called to the ministry to also be celibate, using this text as a reason for that. And you see that if they're not called to be celibate, if they if they have a desire that Paul even says if you have a desire to get married, it's better that way, but not allowing that, then They use that in perverse, distorted, abusive, evil ways. So I'm talking about those that God have called to this, that God has invited into this life. So we don't want to limit what God is not limiting. We want to recognize who God has given this call to. The second part of it is what about family? I mean, aren't children a blessing of the Lord? Don't we want our quiver full? Um, My response to that is there is opportunity for those that are single to have a very wide spiritual family. I mean, if singleness has a freedom, like Paul did, to move, to go where the Lord leads, maybe it's six months here, three years there, two years here, to, oh, I'm going to move to Sierra Leone and, and work on helping establish those churches. Or I'm going to go and, and be part of this humanitarian. Whatever it is that the Lord gives as that freedom, with that is opportunity to have a very wide, broad, deep spiritual family. To have children in the Lord. To be spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers, spiritual aunts and uncles that you can have that same heritage, but it's on a spiritual level, not necessarily on a physical level. And so for us, this is the call to our, the church. We need to be in an environment that welcomes that, that has that. Because the part of the call of singleness, the, the downside of it, the hardship of it, is that it can be a very lonely experience. I have the opportunity at the end of the day, if it's a long day, to to talk to Darianne. I know somebody's going to be there. I can cuddle. I can um, be intimate with. We can be one. That's such a gift. That is not a gift available to those that are called a celibacy. And so we need to be a family that welcomes them into our lives welcomes them into our families. Open door. We've had multiple friends that are single, whether seasonally single or called to be single, that we've had open door policies with, hey, can we come over for dinner tonight? Can we be part of this holiday with you? We need to be in a church that welcomes them, that invites them in, that they become part of our family. Because if it is a potential lonely calling, we need to make sure that they have the relationships so that those in, with this calling can flourish with it. So to close, I want to address three different groups of people. Uh, first, I want to address those who are single, whether you're right now single or long-term. I want to tell you this. You matter. You are an important part of the body of Christ. Soma needs you not just to babysit my kids although that's okay too just joking we need you to be who God has called you to be to not have the expectation that to be married is to be full and to be unmarried is unfulfilled we need you to be where you are And we want to equip, celebrate, and have you part of this. But I also want to say to you, you have a tremendous opportunity right now that people like me don't have. The freedom to do what the Lord asks of you wherever, whenever, however. To not have to have any distractions, as Paul would say. To not be divided, but to be able to follow the Spirit. I want to encourage you to utilize that. Use the time to engage in your spiritual disciplines, to grow the muscle of being united with Christ, united in intimacy with the Father. But I also want to call you to engage in our families, our openness. Our families open to you. You are part of us. And so in our missional communities, in our individual families, to lean in, to care for, to be part of, to, to be aunts and uncles to our children. That is important. Okay. Second, I want to address parents. I look forward to the day when my kids have grandkids by God's grace. I want to hold my grandkids. I want to look them in the eye. I want to see my kids parent their children. Am I okay if the Lord doesn't have that for them? That's a hard question for me to wrestle with. Am I okay if the Lord doesn't give me grandkids and He chooses celibacy and singleness for my children? I'm not saying that's true. Majority of people will get married. So I'm not saying that we need to force our kids into this. But are we creating an environment in our homes Where we want our kids to do what the Lord has called them to do. That we have this as an option for them in following Jesus. Can we create an environment where we allow for singleness to be on the table of their calling? That we nurture, disciple, whatever the Lord has for them. And we don't force upon them our desires. But we want the Lord's desires for them. Third group of people. Students, those who are not yet at the age of being married, I want to encourage you in this. I want you to be open to asking the question, Lord, do you call me to be single for the rest of my life? Now, he's called you in this season for this. You're not at the point where you can get married. But is he calling you to, for a lifetime, devote yourself fully to him in the calling of singleness. We don't want to force this on you. We don't want to expect it of you. But I want to present this as an opportunity, as a way to serve the Lord. Is he going to command it to you? I don't know. I I don't know. Um, But do we have a heart that says, Lord, what you want is best. So if that's this, I need your help to do this. Marriage is hard. Singleness is hard. There are different types of hard. but we, And we all need the Lord's help in this. But as a church family, can we provide an environment to recognize that being singleness, celibacy, is a good, godly calling that we need to encourage, celebrate, and welcome? If we can do that to build up those that with this calling, to experience the gifts of those with that calling in our family, we will be a more f- flourishing, fulfilled, a robust family that's living on mission. And so may we be a place that encourages it, celebrates it, welcomes in so that as we live in the future present, we can fully live in the way God's called us to on the mission of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given some the call to celibacy and singleness. We, may we be a church that welcomes, celebrates, equips, builds up your people with the calling that you've given them. Jesus, we know that you are fully human, the most fulfilled human ever, and you live this life. May we be a, a people that encourages this as we live on mission. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.